What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. First Timothy chapter two, verse three is where we're going to start off. We're going to be in second Timothy because that's where we are, but we're starting here. First Timothy chapter two, verse three, it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all people. And you want to highlight all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to understand something, church, this gospel message is extraordinarily inclusive. It goes out to anybody and it extends to every person on the planet, whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Whosoever, that's you, that's me. It's inclusive. It extends to every person on the planet regardless of ethnicity, regardless of gender, or whatever gender you believe you are. I have to say that now. Whatever political party, the sins of one's past or the sins of one's present. It's for everybody, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. Now, I want you to notice the switch here in verse 5, and I want to just submit to you this morning, church, my job is to get you ready for persecution, you will be persecuted if you follow Jesus in our country. It's coming. Parents need to raise your sons and daughters to get them ready to suffer persecution. Second Timothy says this, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People want to do what they want to do. They want to believe what they want to believe. And when that truth hits them, they will reject you. They will name call you. They will demean you. They will label you. Understand this is part of the gospel that's not inclusive. Let me say that again. God wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody's getting in. Listen to what it says. Let's continue on. Verse 5, there is what? One God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This is offensive. This will get you persecuted. This truth the world hates, and we have to be prepared as people of God to stand on that truth. You know why? All roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said that. There's no other way. Look, Muhammad cannot save. Muhammad didn't die in the place of anyone. Buddha himself says, I cannot save. It's one of his tenets. Now, we're offended. Now, the world is offended because you're closed-minded. No, I'm not closed-minded. Jesus is closed-minded. And he has that right because he created all things. And it is through him that all things exist. And not only that, he came into this world as a man, fully man, fully God. And his very creation crucified him, killed him, nailed him to the tree. And the wrath of God was poured out upon his life. And if that's not your sacrifice, you're in trouble. He's the only way. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. How do you know when you've done enough good? 
That's why Scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinful people. We are all rebels in our own heart. You don't have to teach a baby how to be selfish or say, mine. It comes from their nature. You don't feed them, they will cry and whine. You don't have to teach them to do that. You have to teach them to steal. It just comes from their little rebel hearts because we're all sinful. We're all rebels. The gospel goes out to all. But there's only one way in, and that's Christianity. Christianity separates itself from every other religion in the world because Christianity, God came down and was killed by his own creation so that we could be with him. Every other religion in the world, you have to work and earn your salvation. And it is by grace that we're saved. And this is what we glory in. And if you believe this in America and you stand on this, you will get persecuted, you will get mocked, you will get called, you will be called intolerant, and you will be labeled. If you make a stand to protect the lives of the unborn, specifically if you're a male, don't ever do that, you're going to be called misogynistic. One step away from KKK, if you believe that, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do to my body? What is wrong with you? Who do you think you are? Like, like I'm the one that's fighting to dismember babies in the womb. Like I'm the one. Like you're the one. And you will be labeled. Now there is grace because I know that an abortion is a touchy thing. There is forgiveness. There is grace. There is healing. But you understand this, that you cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and believe in pro-choice. How can you say that, Chris? Thanks for asking. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ephesians chapter 1, it declares, I chose you before the foundation of the earth was laid. The first person to recognize Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was John the Baptist in the womb of his mother. The baby leaped inside. Psalm 139 declares, I knit you together in your mother's womb. When you destroy a child in the womb, you're destroying what God has created. Again, very offensive. We'll go ahead and put up the, the one meme that I saw recently. If you stand up for biblical marriage in the United States of America, you will be labeled as bigoted, intolerant, and judgmental. I had to cross off the one word that was before Chick-fil-A because the word said F Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A never denounced. They just said, hey, this is what we believe in, this is what we stand for, and all of a sudden, judgmental bigoted, and intolerant. No, no, listen. <laughs> sin is sin is sin is sin. My sin, I deserve the wrath of God. There's no judgment or condemnation, but if we believe or hold to something, all of a sudden, We need to start being prepared to suffer persecution in the United States of America. Will, if you can just start that video, please. 
In the world today, one in eight Christians are discriminated against, oppressed, even attacked, just because they follow Jesus. They are desperate voices crying out in a dry land. When I became a Christian, my beliefs turned against me. I no longer belong. In China, the government installed facial recognition cameras in our sanctuary. That camera can gather the private data of our church members. They will intimidate them, they will prevent them from going to church. That means We know from this year's World Watch List that 340 million Christians live in places around the world where they are discriminated against or persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. That number is hard to imagine, hard to get your mind around. But we know that God is faithful. In the book of Isaiah, God tells his people, I will make new ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In midst of persecution, churches are growing more. Through the persecution, God is making the church grow. We are so united together like never before. We have a revival in our church, even in the severe persecution. Three hundred forty million Christians. It's basically the population of the United States of America are under persecution in our world. I want to encourage you. There's a, a documentary called "Sheep Among Wolves," uh, part two. Highly encourage you to watch that. So a documentary about the church in Iran that is under extreme persecution, but the church is growing faster in Iran than anywhere else in the world. The more persecution, this is the history of the church, by the way, the more the persecution comes, the stronger the church gets. It's who we are. You see, when all of our stuff's taken away, and we can't do this for four hours a day. And I can't go get tacos at five different locations. And all we have is each other and Jesus. We quit fighting about non-essential things. And a radicalness breaks out. It's what happens when persecution happens to the church. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 1.6, please. Last week, we talked about the Apostle Paul pouring into Timothy, my son, our tears, how we shared life together, how, how, how I long for you. I long to see you, that my heart may be filled with joy. And you saw that depth of relationship with the Paul-Timothy uh, uh, relationship, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And so here we're going to pick it up in verse 6. It says, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame, and that means to stir up, to kindle, or to keep alive, basically put a log on the fire. The gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so Paul was encouraging Timothy. Seven, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear. Now, if you're taking note, uh, write down above fear, D-E-I-L-I-A, D-E-I-L-I-A. That's the word that is used here. A lot of times we think of fear, and it comes from a Greek word, phobia. So fear of falling, right? There's no fear of heights, by the way, just a fear of falling. Um, so fear of snakes, fear of this, phobias that people have, understandable, right? But this word that's used here is the D-E-I-L-I-A word. It means this. It means timid, cowardly, or a shameful fear. Timid, cowardly, or a shameful fear. This is the fear that most American Christians walk in. That's why you're here today. Welcome. Freedom, freedom, freedom. 
It's at your door. God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power. That word in the Greek is dunamis, dynamite, power that blows things up. I don't know if you knew you had that. Love. Romans 5.5, 5, you can write above that. It says that the agape of God has been, past tense, poured out into our hearts. So we walk in power, and we walk in love, and we walk in what? Self-control. Many Christians I hear, I don't, I don't have self-control in that area. Do you understand something? Don't say that. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You have self-control. You're just not using it. And that's a choice. Oh, I just can't control myself. Don't say that. Because if you don't have self-control, I hope it doesn't mean this, but maybe the Holy Spirit's not in you. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, you have what? Self-control. You're just not calling on the Spirit. That's why Romans says, put to death, the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. Those who walk after the Spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So we have all these things, but a lot of times in a church, we don't walk in power, we don't walk in love, we don't walk in self-control because there is a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear that is in us. And it causes us to walk in shame. It causes us to be embarrassed. It causes us to not speak up. I'm not hearing any amens. Maybe it's just me. Can I get a witness? Acting like you've never been afraid. It's one rap song. I ain't never scared. Quit lying. (laughs) Quit lying. Love taking kids to camp. They are hard, and then you get in the woods in the dark. Boy, they're holding onto your leg. Man, get off me. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Want to bow up in 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 your neighborhood, but now you're out here in the woods, and you're hanging on me like a... Anyway. Paul was speaking to Timothy's shame-based fear. Today, if we don't finish this chapter, that's okay. But we're going to deal with shame-based fear in this church. And there is no more any reason for you to walk forward anymore, anymore with shame-based fear. It's going to go in Jesus' name. You know why? Because it's not yours. You don't believe me? Turn to Colossians chapter 2, please. Chris, you make these statements that are bold. Yeah, I know, because I got a verse for that. Like, it's not what I feel. It's not what I think. It's what God's declared. And when you begin to walk in that, that is truth. Okay, I, I understand you feel like that, but how you feel isn't real. There's a lot of guys that feel they can play basketball, but they can't, and you know it. They feel like they look good, you know? I remember, you know, high school, you know, trying to, right? And then I, anyway, maybe that was just me. Just because you feel doesn't make, mean it's true. So Col- Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, I, this is the beauty and the glory of the gospel. This is why we're not ashamed of the gospel, because of the power to save. Look at verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses... And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all. You might want to highlight all. All of our trespasses, all of our sins, they're gone. See, I I was talking to a guy one time who had a divorce early on in his life. And then somebody was going through a divorce And he thought he couldn't speak to that situation because he had been through that divorce. And I had to remind this person, wait a minute, that divorce doesn't define you anymore. 
You're carrying shame that doesn't belong to you anymore. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. Shame doesn't, say shame doesn't belong to me. Yeah, it doesn't. It belongs to somebody else, and I'm going to show you who it belongs to. 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. When people come to me, hey, Chris, you're a sin. You're this, you're this, you're this. And the enemy comes, hey, Chris, pointing at my past sins. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me point you to the cross. Let, thank you for reminding me where my stuff is. I got no chains on me. I don't even know how to do that. Hey. 15, here's who it belongs to. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He's talking about demonic principalities, and he put them to what? Open shame. Hey, don't carry what a demon's supposed to carry. The cross put all shame on the enemy. Don't you allow the enemy to try to put that on you. Abuse victims. They carry shame at times. Look, that shame is not yours. That's the person that touched you. And do not carry that. And ultimately, it's the enemy because he is the one who lives in shame and he wants you to live in shame. I'm so free, I got no shame on me. I'm so free, I got no shame on me. Somebody's tracking with me. Who, who sings that? KB. KB. Google it. I'm so free I got no shame on me. KB. Oh, that's it. Gonna go ham. I want you to turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 8, and I want you to highlight some things here. Uh, just to let you know, I, when, when I read this and, and I pray, God, what are you saying? What do you want to say to your church? Highlight to me, Holy Spirit of God. I go to God first before I check with any commentary, and I say, God, what is it? What is it? What is it? Here's what God highlighted to me, so I want you to highlight it for yourself. This is why we're challenging you to journal as well, because maybe God highlighted this to you. Therefore, do not be ashamed, verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, do not be ashamed, highlight, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share, and I, I, I want to, to, uh, you to jot down, share means join with me, it's imperative, it's not an option, it's a choice that you choose. Paul is calling Timothy into sharing with me. There is a decision that every Christian in this place needs to make. I will not be silenced. I will not bow down to the mob. I will stand in Christ. I will stand for truth. And I'm going to embrace and share in Christ's sufferings. It's an imperative verb. Share. Join with me in suffering. So highlight, do not be ashamed in suffering. Highlight suffering. For the gospel... Again, the gospel, it's inclusive, but it's also exclusive. When you leave out the exclusive part, you're going to be good with the mob. You'll be good with the world. But when you stand for truth, you will be persecuted. I want you to go down to verse 12, please. Same chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And you see the passage where it says, which I suffer as I do which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. I want you to highlight suffer and ashamed. Suffer and ashamed. So in verse 8, we've got ashamed and we've got suffering highlighted. Then in verse 12, we've got suffer and ashamed highlighted. I want you to go down to verse 16, please. It says, was not, here we go again, what? Ashamed. Of what? Chains. Chains represents suffering. So three times in this chapter here, we see shame connected to suffering. In the United States of America, you will be shamed and you will suffer persecution because of the cause of Christ if you stand on the Bible, God's word. 
Here's the deal. It's not yours to walk in. And I'm going to give you seven things today, and I want you to jot them down because this is not who we are. We're not the timid ones. We're not the quiet ones. We are the ones who are unashamed. We are the unashamed community that walks in truth, and we need to be very proud that we walk in truth. Why? Because truth brings freedom. All ministry is, is helping people get rid of the lies and replace them with the truth of what God declares over their life. That's what ministry is. It's not complicated. This is a tactic of, an, of the enemy where he uses shame, mocking, and jeering towards the body of Christ because he wants to shut you down and he wants you to be silent. He used this when Nehemiah was building the wall. And the enemies of God were mocking Nehemiah saying, man, look at that wall. That thing's a piece of junk. If a fox jumps on that, that thing will come tumbling down. And they were mocking and they were jeering. In 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing just as they were from the beginning of the creation. And so there's going to be a scoffing in the last days and a mocking towards the people of God. The question is, Are you going to bow down to that? When the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, but others mocked. They were mocking the move of God. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17, please. Mocking shaming, jeering because of what you believe is a tactic of the enemy. It is the persecution that we have to deal with in America right now. I believe a time is coming where it's going to increase, it's going to get worse, where we might lose some of our rights, but we're not there yet. David Newcomb's here. Welcome back from Africa. Raise your hand real quick. Livingston Mission in Africa, and as they train pastors and the ones that go to the north in Islamic countries, they know they might not come back. They're probably going to die on the mission field because there's no tolerance there. Acts 17 Verse 30, it says, the times of ignorance God has overlooked. Now, I want you to understand that's not very nice. That's not a nice way to evangelize a group of people, Paul, to call them ignorant, (laughs) right in the middle of their idols, But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. So it's like a command. Like, it's not a choice. Are you going to make a decision to follow Jesus? No, it's commanded. Why? And by the way, repent's not like a, a negative word. It just means to think again. I used to live for me, myself, and I, and now I want to die to me, myself, and I. I've repented. I've changed the way that I think. Because, verse 31, he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. Not the world's righteousness, but his righteousness. By a man whom he has appointed... And of this, he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is going to judge every single person. He is a righteous judge. 
And for those that say, yeah, I see the cross, I see what Jesus did on the cross, but I'm good, understand they've discarded and they got rid of the gift that God gave to take away sin and there's no other way to take away sin and the wrath of God abides on those who will not put their faith in Jesus. And again, that's an offensive message, but it's the message that we see in the New Testament. It's the message that was preached in Acts chapter 2 where Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, fire on his head, said, you guys killed and crucified Jesus. And they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and believe and be baptized, all of you and your family. Then you go to chapter three and it's the same thing. What must we do? Turn from your wickedness. See, this gospel's an offensive gospel for those who love darkness rather than light. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, they will not come to the light because their deeds are evil and they love darkness rather than the light. Jesus didn't come to condemn everyone, but he came to save everyone. But then it says they're condemned already because they love their darkness. They're condemning themselves. Because they won't come to the light. Verse 32. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some what? Mocked. So there again, persecution. Well, Chris, it's not as bad as third world country. That's okay, but this is where we are in America. You will be mocked. We have been mocked. So I'm going to give you seven things here. How do we get rid of shame-based fear? Number one, if you're taking note, come into your identity in Christ. How do I come into my identity? I pray, right? And I want you to jot down Proverbs 28.1. It's a big verse. It says this, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Okay, I have no righteousness of my own, But God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So I am, because of the gospel, I am now declared righteous. I'm now declared holy. There is no shame on me. I'm free because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And there's no sin that's held against me because Christ took it all on the cross and we glory in that gospel. And as I stand in that gospel and I receive the blood, the blood speaks and it says, you are righteous, Christ. Not because of your right, your works, but because of what Christ did on the cross and the faith that you put in the finished work of the cross. The blood has made me righteous. I am righteous. Apart from Christ, I'm not, but in Christ, I'm righteous. And so my identity, my inheritance is the righteous are as bold as a what? Lion. Well, I don't feel I'm I'm a shy person. Where's that verse, by the way? Some people hold on to that like that's in the Bible. That ain't in the Bible. That's in your mind. And you live out of your beliefs. Parents, don't allow your kids to be shy. Oh, they're just shy. You are declaring over them what is against Proverbs 28. Don't do that. They are special. They are fearfully, wonderfully made. Their voice needs to be heard. They need to be brought to the front. They're created in God's image and likeness. They're not shy. So come into your identity in Christ. That's number one. Number two, I want you to mock, write down who mocked you, shamed you in those situations that you've been through. Now, you're not going to be able to do this here today. It's homework. Get alone with God. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Jesus says that. It also says in Psalms, search me, O God, know my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me. So we need the Holy Spirit to reveal things that probably happened to us when we were younger because we don't know how to process things as young people. We just stuff them. 
We don't know what to do with them, and situations occur in life that cause us to be who we are. This is why mom and dad, when those kids are little, asking, how did school go today? What happened to you? Because if, you, if they don't tell you, yeah, the kids made fun of me because I got a D and they said I was dumb and they were laughing at me, that's going to be in them and they may believe that and walk with it the rest of their life, which is a lie from the pit of hell. Why? Because they're fearfully and wonderfully made. And maybe they got a D because you let them play video games all night. Parents, you're responsible. Hey, listen, it's not the state's job to raise your children. Deuteronomy 6.4, you train up a child in the way they should go, not the government. Anyway, that's a whole nother message. Help me, God. Write down who mocked you, who shamed you, situations that hurt you. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring remembrance to every situation. So as I've done this process, because I don't want to be a hypocrite up here, there was a young man, Gino, Lamont, and Kirby. My mom got saved when I was in second grade. We lived in a little duplex, and the church said, hey, invite the whole neighborhood to come do VBS. So I'm all, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. After VBS ended, all those kids in my neighborhood made fun of me for being a Christian. And as a little kid, what came in me? Oh, I didn't like that. I don't want to be made fun of. I'm never going to do that again. Do you know what I'm never going to do that again is? That's a vow. And vows are made in pride because you're making them apart from God. Most of us have vows against our parents, by the way, where we as little kids judged our parents and said, I'll never do that. Ooh, who do you think you are? You think you can do something apart from God? No, it is by God's grace that I am what I am. We'll get to vows in a minute. But I'll never forget being on the porch of the duplex And all my friends making fun of me and my mom. Spirit of fear. Spirit of timidity. My family, my mom's family, when she stood up for a few things about Jesus, what happened? Oh, Donna got all religious. She got all religious. Here she comes. The mocking, the laughing, the demeaning. And me as a little kid, second, third grade, I don't want that to happen. Another bow, another thing. Timidity, spirit of fear. Don't stand up for Jesus, Chris. And growing up without a dad, and my dad died when I was two, so I didn't have it. It was just me and my mom. And what's Tupac say? Look, a woman can't teach a man how to be a man. It's Tupac. We don't don't quote him a lot here. (laughs) But a man is supposed to speak identity into the young men of who they are in Christ. And without that voice, single moms, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you speak life into your young men. And then... I remember coming to Christ as an adult at work, single guy. Here comes the holy roller, making fun of me on my J-O-B. Oh, here comes the born-again virgin. (laughs) Chris, that girl wants to get with you. What's wrong with you, man? You gay or something? Again, I'm just quoting what was said to me, to my face. Because I let it out, I wanted to remain pure until my wife. Mocking, jeering, righteousness and holiness, it will not make you popular, you'll be unpopular. And are you good with that? And then we got the world, right? Probably no one greater than Bill Maher. 
making fun of Christians. Oh, you believe in Noah's Ark? Well, yeah, you believe everything came from a rock. Which one takes more faith, you know? (laughs) Something comes from nothing. But anyway, the world's constantly doing that. And so point number two, what are those things? Ask the Holy Spirit to bring up those situations. How did they make you feel? What's there? Write it down. Here's step number three. You ready for this? Forgive them. Because sometimes we can hold on to things and we can become bitter. No, God, I release Gino, Lamont, and Kirby in the name of Jesus for making fun of me. I release them to you. I don't want to carry it anymore. I pray blessings over their life. And that shame that came in, Father, I pray right now that you just begin to replace it with a greater boldness in Jesus' name. You said you're going to restore what the locusts have eaten. I've walked with timidity way too long. I want an extra anointing of boldness because I want my boldness multiplied out. The enemy stole that from me. It's not fair. I walked in shame way too long. I want more, God. I want more power, God. I want justice, God. Please. So forgive them. Step number three, be specific. Number four, Did you make any unholy vows? Did you make any unholy judgments or vows that said, I will not speak up. I will not do that. I will not put myself out there like that again. I will never share about Jesus again. I don't want to be labeled as a Jesus freak. I'm just going to quiet down. If you made any vows, again, internally, Just ask forgiveness. That's point number five. Ask forgiveness for those vows. So number four, are there any vows you made? Again, a lot of times when we're little, we don't know if we made vows. We don't remember back that far, but the Holy Spirit remembers, and he'll bring it up. He'll bring it up. Number six, I want you to turn to Acts 119.46. Or excuse me, Psalm 119.46. There's not 119 chapters in Acts, so... If you're looking for that, you'll never find it. Psalm 119.46. Psalm 119.46. And this needs to be a refrigerator verse because, again, this is your identity. But I'll remind you of what happened in Acts chapter 4 when they told the disciples, hey, no more preaching about Jesus. We warn you. We are going to... uh, uh, We're going to punish you if you speak about Jesus. What did they do? They prayed for greater boldness. And this is point number six, pray for greater boldness. And here's the verse, Psalm 119, 46. I will also speak of your testimony before kings and shall not be put to shame. There's that shame again. There's that shame again. This is who you are called to be in Christ Jesus, to speak without any shame to kings, to kings. Man, don't you know I run this block? Oh, my dad runs this block. Let me speak about him. There's kings in your life that you're called to, your boss, your employers, your supervisors, that you are going to walk in Monday with a greater boldness in your life to speak the truth in a loving way, not being silent, not being shamed, because shame's not yours. It belongs to the enemy. It was his at the cross. You're putting it back there today. You're walking in boldness today. You're walking in freedom today. You're saying, oh God, Psalm 119, 46, make this a reality in my life, please, in Jesus' name. And point number seven, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12, point number seven is this. You ask the Holy Spirit to guard your boldness. You're going to see this more in chapter one of 2 Timothy chapter one. Guard what's been entrusted to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit to guard our boldness. You're going to be given boldness, right? But there's a guarding of the boldness because shame's going to try to come back. Please look at me, please. You go through all these steps, shame will try to come back to you. 
it will never stop. It's going to be a constant thing. But here's the deal. Number seven, ask the Holy Spirit to guard my boldness. God, help me to keep this. Help me to guard this. Help me to fan this flame that's in me. More boldness, God, more boldness. But also, help me to despise shame from now on. Guard my boldness and help me to despise shame from now on. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. This is how Jesus walked. Verse 2, Hebrews 12. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You want to highlight despising the shame. And seated, and seated at the right hand throne of God. Listen, the Jew, to the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block. You know why? Because the Old Testament says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. So there was nothing more shameful for the Jew to be put on a cross. And Jesus despised that shame. He despised that because he became a curse so that we don't get cursed. That's what the gospel is. God cursed Christ because of my sin, so I get to go free. And Jesus said, give me that shame. He despised the shame. And Christian, you are called to walk in boldness and guarding that boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit. When that boldness comes in, no, 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 no. I'm going to despise that shame. It's not mine anymore. And that's how we move. That's how we live. Because it will come back. It's going to come back in probably 30 minutes in some of your life. How is the sermon? Oh, you know, there's some people that, anyway, I won't get into that. They don't want to bring friends and family because I'm a little too extra. Hey, don't be ashamed of me, okay? But I understand, man. Yeah, I, get, I, I get a little weird sometimes. But anyway, the, the, again, the, the, <laughs> the purpose of the teaching here at Bow Down is not to impress your friends or to be seeker sensitive to your friends. I preach to disciples. And when you become free and bold, and there is no more spirit of fear operating in your life, and you say what God wants you to say, your friends get saved, and you don't need to bring them to church to get saved. That's a horrible model. You get them saved. You tell them that there is one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for your sins because he loves you. But understand, if you don't accept him and you continue to reject him, if God did that to his only son, what do you think he's going to do to you? Do not harden your heart as in the days of rebellion. If you rebel against God, Look, good news, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, but whosoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. But John 3, 36 says, those who do not believe, the wrath of God abides on them. The wrath of God is abiding on your life if you continue to reject Jesus. That's an offensive message, but that is the message that we preach. the message we preach, and we're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power to save. It's glorious that Christ would die for a sinner, and there's no bigger sinner in this place than me, and I am so thankful that God poured his wrath out on his only son so that I don't have to experience what I deserve Christ took it all, and I'm free from shame and guilt and condemnation because of the cross, because of the cross, because of the cross, and I glory in the cross, not in my works, not in what I do, not in who I am, but who he is, what he has done. He is the resurrection and the life, and I just point to him because he is the answer, and I'm not ashamed of him anymore, and we will not allow fear to keep us silent. So church, you got homework to do. Singers, come on up. Prayer partners, come on up. 
Some of you, man, you've been dealing with a spirit of fear your entire life, and you may need some extra prayer today. Our prayer partners are here, but listen, it's got to go today. It's got to go today. Fear goes in Jesus' name. You are righteous. You are as bold as a lion. So Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. I pray for those, God, that have been been bound by fear, where tongues have been quieted, for fear of man, for, 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 for because of past issues. God, whatever's going on, Lord, I pray for hope. I pray for a holy boldness. And God, I personally, as a pastor, right, I, I personally confess Jesus. I've been afraid, and I haven't opened my mouth. Forgive me. I haven't said hard things because I've worried about what people would think or I didn't want to make them mad. And I didn't speak the truth in a loving way. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for all those times, like Peter, I denied you. I got to pray for a revival today. That you would just free people right now, Jesus. Lay your hands on every heart here and just begin to remove the spirit of fear. Go in Jesus' name. Go to where Jesus Christ of Nazareth sends you. All shame gone in Jesus' name. And we want you to replace that God with a holy boldness. Holy confidence. Because you are great, God. You are great. We are small. You are great, God. May we glory. May we glory in the cross. May we glory in the gospel. May we proclaim your gospel, God, to those who are blind, lost, stuck in their sin. Come and bring revival, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.